In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Christ is in our midst. In days of old, when your country was at war, and even today it still applies, it was an existential crisis. When an army invaded, there was a very high chance that if the other army won the war, you would either be enslaved or annihilated. It was an existential crisis. And countries would have their kings gather an army and go and fight on their behalf for their existence. When your king and his army were victorious, messengers would be sent throughout the entire country to spread the good news that your army has won and that you can continue to exist on this earth. That is called the gospel. That was, that's the origin of the word gospel. It is the good news that your king has conquered and that you can continue living under the protection of that king. Now, the Christian church, Christ himself, has taken this word and has used it in a very similar way. Christ says, I have come to preach the gospel, preach the good news. What is the gospel of the Christian church? The gospel of the Christian church is that we are at war with death. And we are enslaved to death. Right? And we need a conqueror to deliver us. And so, John 1.1, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. John 1.14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the beginning of the Christian Gospel. This Word who took flesh is Jesus Christ, and He suffered, and He lived, He suffered, and He died blamelessly. He descended to Hades, and He conquered death. This is the Christian Gospel. And when we hear the Gospel preached, we need to remember that it is an existential message. Thank you. It is an existential message because Christ is risen from the dead. He has trampled down death by his death and we can continue to live under his protection, serving him, loving him in grace and peace and joy and the fullness of the Holy Spirit. 
That is truly the good news with a capital T, a capital G, and a capital N. The good news. Not just saving 15% on your car insurance. That's nice news. Isn't that nice? The good news is that Christ has solved our existential crisis. This is the Christian gospel. Now, after Christ ascended, there were a few men who started writing down what this gospel is. We call them evangelists. There are four primarily, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Other apostles wrote other letters to other churches, but those aren't the gospels as known in the scriptures. The gospels in the scriptures are upheld as the highest form of tradition. The scriptures are within tradition, not beside it. The scriptures are the highest form of authority within the tradition of the church. And every Christian, if you call yourself a Christian, every Christian reveres the gospel. We hear the gospel read and say, yes, that's true and I believe that. Now, today, the church commemorates the Holy Fathers of the Seventh Ecumenical Council. And these priests and bishops gathered in Nicaea, where the first council was held. They gathered in Nicaea, and they defended the church's veneration of icons. They defended the theology of the incarnation of the Word of God. And they proclaimed that icons are the gospel in picture. Icons are the gospel in pictorial form. I have a quote from St. John of Damascus, who was not at the council. He died before this council was held, but his writings in the 8th century defending the icons were used prominently through the council. Ironically, St. John of Damascus wrote his defense of the icons while working for the Muslims and being protected by the Muslims, being protected from the Christian emperor who was not happy with St. John's writings. God is very amazing in how he makes this work. But here's a quote from St. John of Damascus. Quote, The icons bring to mind the mystery of the divine economy in its entirety. Economy meaning God working outside of himself. The pouring out of his life. For what Holy Scripture is to the literate, the icon is to the illiterate. And what the word is to our hearing, the icon is to our sight. Elsewhere, St. John of Damascus says, the fullness of the theology of the church is here in the icon of the Theotokos with the Christ child. The fullness of the theology of the church. This is the gospel. This is the gospel message. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. There's a story that St. Luke the Evangelist, he who wrote the Gospel of Luke, 
started painting the first icons. And he did his first icon of the Theotokos while she was still alive. And he brings it to her and, she sit, and he says, what do you think about this? Right? Let's go to the source and get this approved. What do you think about this? Her answer was not, hey, that's breaking the second commandment. That's a graven image. No, it wasn't. She said, that's nice, but where's my son? Where's my son? It's not about me, it's about him. Every icon of every saint is about Christ, even if Christ is not directly pictured. Because they have drawn close to him and their lives reflect his life. Their lives show us how to draw close to him. So this icon of the Theotokos, this, this um, form of icon of her with the Christ child with the hand pointing to him, that's from the first century from the guy who wrote the Gospel of Luke. From an eyewitness. From the man who wrote 52 chapters of the New Testament. Almost half of the New Testament. So, icons are the gospel message. And the gospel message is the most important message we can ever hear. It's the most important message we can ever imbibe. It's the most important message we can ever embed in our bones through faith. The icons lead us to glorify God. Icons lead us to glorify God. Here's another quote from St. John of Damascus. The word of the gospel and the word of the holy icons help us experience at first hand the mystery of the divine economy. While our physical eyes are looking at an icon, our intellect and the spiritual eyes of our heart are focused on the mystery of the economy of the incarnation. The Seventh Ecumenical Council said icons are necessary and essential because they protect the full and proper doctrine of the Incarnation. Once you start getting rid of the icons in the churches, you lose the fullness of the theology of the Incarnation. And if you lose the Incarnation, you lose the Christian Gospel. Because it was only by God becoming flesh that death was conquered. If Jesus Christ in the flesh is not the Son of God, the eternal Son of the Father, then He's just another dude who died on the cross and we are not saved. We are not saved by the thieves' deaths next to Him. We are saved by Christ's death. God died on the cross in His human flesh, in His human nature. The divine person did not die, but it was a divine person in the flesh. And this is the heart of the Christian Gospel, and every icon is an expression of this Gospel. This is the heart of our faith. This is the heart of our faith. Just as... And, and people who say we shouldn't revere icons, we shouldn't do this or that, the same people 
who don't believe in the theology of icons are the same people who stand for the national anthem, who put their hand over their heart when they see the American flag presented. Why? Because the flag stands for something greater than the material it's made of. It stands for freedom and justice and liberty, right? And independence and America, whatever that is, right? It stands for something so much more. It stands for all the fallen soldiers who have fought to give us the right to live in this country. It stands for so much. The same people who respect the flag will not respect icons because they say it's not important. But in the church, we venerate icons in the same way that Americans venerate the flag. We don't worship the flag as a god. We give it respect and honor, passing on the honor to those who deserve it, those prototypes who have fought for those ideals. In the icons, we give honor and respect to the icons, knowing that the honor and respect and veneration passes on to the prototype depicted. But we only save our worship for God. We praise, we bless, and we worship the Lord. We know who God is, and we know what He looks like because He took flesh. So we don't worship the icons, we venerate them. Just like when you kiss your children goodnight, you're not worshiping them, you're expressing your love to them. Right? So I would challenge anybody who won't kiss an icon to stop kissing your wife, your husband, and your children and see how that feels. You'll say, I can't do that. I love them too much. Well, I love the icons too much. So I won't stop kissing them. And I can't imagine a church without icons. And so that's why we have martyrs in the church. For a hundred years, the iconoclasts, those who wanted to destroy the icons, were killing Christians. And there are Christians who would hold fervently to the icons and say, literally, over my dead body. So this is the heart of the faith. We have to be willing to die for what we believe. And dying in defense of the icons is dying in defense of Christ's incarnation. This is the heart of the gospel. So, my dad recently went to Mount Athos last month, and he joined a tour group, and this was a tour group that went to like four or five different monasteries like every day on Mount Athos. It was like, walk in the door, venerate all these things, like relics, wonder-working icons, and then go to the next place. And so I, when he got back, I called him, and I said, tell me about your trip. And he said, there were so many names and so many amazing things, I can't keep it all straight. He said, however, there's one experience that I will never forget and gets me choked up every time. And he starts getting choked up, telling me about the monastery, he can't remember the name, where he went and they had one of the first icons that St. Luke, the evangelist, wrote. They claim to have the original, not a copy of the original. Okay? And it was something that looked similar to this. Mary 
with the Christ child. Now my son's name is Luke. Luke the Evangelist has become part of our family, right? And my dad was choked up because he venerated that icon that came from the hand of the man who wrote the Gospel of Luke. This is a direct connection with the Lord and his mother. And my dad said, growing up, I always loved the Gospels. Who doesn't love the Gospels? And now I could have a physical connection with the Gospel of Luke. A physical connection with our Lord. Kissing the work done by the hand of a man who venerated our Lord and was one of the 70 apostles. He said, I could not believe that I was in this cloud of witnesses. This is the gospel. And that story, I think, is so beautiful because, because the beauty of the icon, the transcendence of the icon, and the awareness of everything that was going on took my dad to a place way beyond where he ever imagined he could make it. Because the Orthodox faith is not just about head knowledge, it's about heart knowledge. And it's about experiencing the transcendent kingdom of God. And for just a glimpse, before they have to get back on the tour bus and head off to the next monastery, for just a moment, my dad said, I, you could have told me I was in heaven and I would have believed you. He said, I was just so overwhelmed and so humbled to have that connection. What a beautiful thing. So icons are the defense of the incarnation. I'll finish with a quote from St. John of Damascus. Quote, I do not worship matter, but the creator of matter, who for my sake became material and deigned to dwell in matter, and who through matter effected my salvation. The material world is not bad. It's good. How we use it, we can use it for bad things. But matter in and of itself is good. God created it, therefore it is good. But the icons are not an end in and of themselves. They are a means to the end. They are a means to communicate with the saints, with the Lord, with His mother, and to take us beyond just this temporal world. They are glimpses into the kingdom of heaven. And as we venerate the icons, let us make friends with the saints. Let us ask the Lord to make us part of that cloud of witnesses. Let us enter into God's mystery and ask Him to incarnate Himself in us so that the fullness of the image of God will be known in us and through us to all the world. The icons are the gospel message.
and we shouldn't be afraid to proclaim the gospel message in word and picture and most especially in deed. And how we live our lives will tell the world what kind of icon we are of the living God who has conquered death and saved our souls. To Christ our God, the King of creation and the Savior of our souls, be glory, honor, and worship together with the Father and the Holy Spirit now and ever and unto ages of ages. Amen. Christ is in our midst. He is